The Upstate Cancer Center has formed a new multidisciplinary team, this one devoted to cancers of the foregut, which include stomach, esophagus, pancreas, liver, and bile ducts. These particular cancers tend to be complicated, so patients can benefit by having input from a team of experts. And we have two of those experts here with us today. They're both surgeons, Dr. Jason Wallen and Dr. A.J. Jane. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, I had not heard the word um, foregut. When I looked it up, I saw that the National Institutes of Health has a, a team devoted to, to this, and other cancer, major cancer centers do as well. Um, why does it make sense to group these cancers together? Just uh, their geographic you know, location, or for for one reason, number one, uh, the management of, and for the context of this uh, talk, we're mainly going to be talking about esophageal and gastric cancers. Uh, of course, duodenal cancers also uh, fall into that group. That's the first part of the small intestine, and there's some overlap with cancers of the bile duct and pancreas, uh, which are also grouped into hepatobiliary cancers. So we these manage. are these are cancers that deal with um, right. the the digestive system. Correct. Esophagus the, is the tube that goes to your stomach. Correct. It's the upper part of the digestive system, and the main reason for grouping them together, and Dr. Wallen can also comment on this. Number one, sometimes they can be very difficult to distinguish from each other, especially cancers of the esophagus and the stomach. Number two making this distinction is important because the treatments of these cancers are very different. And number three, regardless of whether it's esophageal or whether it's gastric cancer, the treatment can be highly complex and highly variable. And lastly, you know, there's few centers in the country and in the region that are actually have the expertise or equipped to manage them. I think one of the other important things is is that um, combining experts on abdominal surgery and chest surgery, um, and uh, as well as oncologists and radiation doctors that have experience in treating cancers in those areas, is really helpful because just because of where they're located, they uh, often require approaches from uh, both from the chest and from the abdomen, and so there's a lot of parallels both mechanically and biologically, uh, and we can rely on each other's expertise to help out when things get difficult. So uh, let's talk about how these cancers behave. It's interesting to me that you said it's difficult to tell them apart sometimes. Yeah, it can be very difficult to tell them apart. In fact, I know for a fact Dr. Wallen has been referred patients uh, diagnosed with esophageal cancer who in reality had gastric cancer. And I've been referred patients uh, to be treated for gastric cancer who actually turned out to have esophageal cancer. And the reason for this is that cancers that arise in the upper part of the stomach, the true stomach, within five centimeters of the upper part of the stomach, actually behave like esophageal cancers. And it's incredibly important to make the distinction between esophageal cancer and gastric cancer because the treatments are radically different. And even the diagnostic approach is radically different. And it's important to embark upon the right course straight away. So from the patient's point of view, are the symptoms the same for the patient or? They can be. Um, the esophageal cancers typically are uh, typically present with difficulty swallowing and stomach cancers 
that are very high in the stomach can cause that as well. Um, but because there's more room to expand, it takes a little bit longer for, for symptoms to develop. And uh, Dr. Jane can talk more about the symptoms, but a lot of times it's weight loss. And Yeah, gastric cancer often uh, will present uh, late when it becomes truly symptomatic because the stomach can stretch and you know, they often will have to go quite large before they actually cause someone to feel full. Sometimes they can present earlier with pain. Oftentimes they can even present with anemia. If patients have a cancer that's bleeding and their blood counts are low, or they notice dark school, stool, that may be diagnosed uh, that way as well. So how do, you dis- how do you determine where the cancer is? What sorts of tests do you do to... One of the things that's in common with both of our, uh, both esophageal and stomach cancers is we typically start our evaluation with an endoscopy and often uh, a laparoscopic surgery to uh, locate the tumor and also to, uh, to stage it. And uh, so we're able to go down with a, uh, an endoscope, actually see exactly where the tumor is. And we look at it with a different eye than, than maybe some of the gastroenterologists might because we're looking at it for how uh, are we going to be able to remove this tumor and um, even more importantly, how are we going to put things back together again once it's out? And that uh, that insight uh, has a lot is provides a lot of the driving force to determining whether something is esophageal or stomach is how you're going to put them back together again. And uh, what we've been able to do uh, with, as a team is we've been able to unify our approach to those early diagnostic maneuvers so that if a patient who has a gastric cancer ends up in my uh, operating room and and I notice that it is a gastric cancer, I know exactly what Dr. Jane is going to want done for that patient, and I can take care of those things so that the patient doesn't lose any time because they ended up, uh, quote-unquote, with the wrong doctor first. And then we can discuss those patients later and move along as if we miss nothing. So this integrated approach is incredibly important. In my mind, the very first and foremost process is to make the distinction, is this a gastric cancer? or is this an esophageal cancer? And this typically involves uh, an endoscopy, and usually it's one of us that'll do it. Dr. Wallen will make that distinction, or it'll be a gastroenterologist in our group who is very experienced in distinguishing uh, the difference. And once that distinction is made, the subtleties of treatment don't end there. Uh, In gastric cancer, for example, you may require a surgery first approach, or even in a cancer that can be removed in its entirety based on the scan, sometimes it's more impro- appropriate to do chemotherapy up front or chemotherapy alone based on whether there's microscopic disease in the abdomen, based on whether lymph nodes may be involved. So we do a lot of other staging uh, staging means finding how extensive the cancer is, which may not be immediately apparent. This can involve a special kind of an ultrasound endoscopy to see how deep the tumor goes into the gastric wall or whether lymph nodes are involved. It may involve a PET scan. Sometimes it even involves instilling saline into the abdomen to see if microscopic cells have shed. All of this can radically alter what should be done next, whether it should be a chemotherapy or a surgery first approach. And you need to have expertise. Similarly, as Dr. Wallen can comment on, with esophageal cancer, surgery first is not always right. And in our integrated approach, not only are the surgeons integrated, but we also have a team of medical oncologists, pathologists, radiation oncologists, radiologists, 
gastroenterologist, a full team of experts, reviews every case and formulates an individualized treatment plan for each patient. To, you're together around a table together, yes. right, discussing this. And um, are, are there do arguments arise sometimes where one physician thinks this is the way to do it and one says this way? And how do you work that out? It's a pretty collegial atmosphere. Uh, sure. And, you know, we work together so often that, you know, we, we, we see eye to eye on uh, on a great many things. And, you know, as you get to know the people that you work with, you get to know how they think. And sometimes you even anticipate uh, the objections that people may have going into it. And you can assuage those, uh, those objections by, you know, performing different evaluations and making sure that we have a unified approach to working yeah. up the patient. And since we agree in the beginning, at the outset, how things are going to be done, then generally speaking, we arrive at the same place in the end. But we don't always. You know, what's interesting is the, the case of a hung jury sometimes it does happen, and that's not always a bad thing because then, you know, when you have a group of experts who sometimes have a differing or an uncertain opinion, it enables us to say maybe we actually should send out this pathology specimen to the National Cancer Institute to have it looked at by a worldwide expert to look at it and help render an opinion. When you have different groups around the table and something comes up that no one's sure about, it actually ultimately always leads to better care for our patients. Well, I was thinking as a patient, it's got to be tremendously reassuring to know that there's so many experts collaborating just about your particular situation. I mean, that's got to make someone feel confident and, and cared for. I think it's increasingly for all cancer types, uh, the emerging standard of care it should be the standard of care. Now, from what I understand, um, a lot of these cancers, are, when they're diagnosed, they're already ad pretty far advanced. There, there's That's not correct. a whole lot of early symptoms. Yeah, they, they, as we said earlier on, you know, it, it does. A tumor in the esophagus has to get fairly large before it starts to cause trouble with swallowing, and tumors in the stomach I even more so because it's so stretchy, it has so much room to expand, and so that's why uh, a lot of these patients don't go straight to surgery because uh, cancer is quite advanced, and, and to some extent, uh, as we go through this process of staging, uh, we end up presuming that the cancers uh, are even more advanced than what we see. You know, one of the reasons that we, we do chemotherapy and sometimes even radiation up front is because it's so likely these cancers have spread beyond what we see at the point of diagnosis that we really need to take care of that disease that is spread beyond the initial area of the tumor uh, because that's the stuff that really is dangerous. People don't die from cancers in their stomach or their esophagus. They die from the cancers that have spread to other parts in their body. And so that becomes the treatment priority. Um, and it's important because a lot of patients come in and they're very anxious to have, they want the tumor out. You know, they want to have that operation and it's not always the most important part of their treatment. And, you know, by advanced, you know, there's a spectrum of advanced. Advanced can mean the tumor has spread from the stomach or from the esophagus to other parts of the body, such as the liver or the lungs. And in those cases, uh, surgery is generally not part of the equation. Uh, typically, I mean, it's usually chemotherapy, but there's also a lesser degree of advancement where maybe the cancers have grown into surrounding tissues or nearby nodes. And in that situation, even though it may be technically possible to remove all of the cancer with a surgery first approach, patients actually will often do better, will get a much better outcome if we can leverage it by giving chemotherapy or other treatments such as radiation in some cases up front to shrink these tumors down and make it more likely to get it all out. And Again, these distinctions can be subtle as to when you should do uh, chemotherapy first or surgery first. And you really do need 
an experienced group of people putting their heads together to help come up with an individualized plan. Is this something once um, it's diagnosed, it really needs to be acted on quickly? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, time is precious, and uh, we see our referrals, both Dr. Wallen and myself. Our, our goal is to get patients in the door uh, within one week, and uh, we've actually been quite successful uh, in doing this. Yeah, I think it's also important to to realize, though, just for patients who are nervous and who are anxious, cancer surgery is not an emergency. You know, patients often ask me, you know, what's happening during this week to my cancer? Is it spreading while I'm sitting here waiting for my appointment that's three days from now? No, that's not something that you should be worrying about. Um, you know, we do need to get things done quickly. Outcomes are better uh, when we when we do move fast, but it's not something that needs to be done tomorrow or tonight. Um, you know, you have a few days, you don't need to worry about it. Generally speaking, uh, it's important to get these treatments, you know, started, you know, within a few weeks to a month, um, and that's when outcomes are best. So people shouldn't be sitting at home worrying that if they can't be seen tomorrow that they're going to die from their cancer. Well, well, that's good to know. Well, and, and it's encouraging to know Upstate um, has treated patients all along, but now there's this multi multidisciplinary team. It's a little more formalized approach of collaboration to care. So thank you so much for coming in to explain this to us. My guests have been Dr. Jason Wallen and Dr. A.J. Jane. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.